0: Welcome, it's so good to see you, it's so good to have you join us online. We are in a series called Rediscover Church. Uh, We're taking the opportunity to consider who we are, why we gather, what this is about. And I'm, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) I'm getting a phone call, sorry. Hang up, bye. Um, I'm not usually the one that's distracted up here. (laughs) Joel, did you just call me? (laughs) (sighs) All right, we're talking about church, the purpose of gathering, and uh, today I wanna talk about being together in big gatherings and in small gatherings, the power, the purpose, the passion of being together and what that is for our lives of faith. On January 1st, 2010, I uh, participated in my first five kilometer race. So I started running after high school. I was not a sporty person. I know that's like really hard to believe. You're like, never would have guessed. Yeah, didn't play a single school sport. I hated PE. I just loathed anything that was sporty related. Then I graduated high school and discovered running. I liked it. Um, I just never liked competing with people or I didn't like that adrenaline rush and so I just never did anything in school Um, but after graduation I started running and discovered I quite enjoyed enjoyed it, it was cathartic and you know, I, I liked it and so people would say you should do this race for like SPCA or the Terry Fox Run or all these different things but Uh, For those that don't know, I spent a lot of my life in a small community up the coast called Powell River, and they always did those runs on Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I was usually at church on Sunday. Well, always. I was the pastor of the church, so I couldn't get out of it, really. And so I never got to do a race. I never ran with people. I just would always run by myself. And so then January 1st, 2010, which happened to be a Friday, I believe, rolls around and they're advertising, like, start the new year off right. Join us for a polar bear swim and run. And I was like, swim? No, that, no. But this five kilometer run, I thought this would would be a great thing. So I go down to the beach, beautiful trail run. They say, ready, set, go. And my adrenaline is like, yeah. (laughs) There's people and there's energy. And I had never experienced the energy of a crowd of people running together. I got my best time ever and I have never run a five kilometer near that fast. I was like smoking it and it was so fun. And at the end of it, I turned to my friend and I was like, what was that? And she said, that's the power of running your race with community and we turned towards one another, and it was like God really deep down confirmed in us, she was a leader in the church with me, and they confirmed in us Hebrews chapter 12, and this isn't on the screens, it isn't on your notes, but I want you to hear these words, and I don't want you to be distracted by reading. It says this in Hebrews 12, starting in verse one, which says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this cloud of witnesses is the people of faith who have been faithful over the years. And then the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of testimony of faithfulness to God, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, I have always read this passage of scripture very personally. Let me throw off the sin, the hindrance, and let me run my race with endurance. But that's not what this says. Let us run our race. It's an us thing. And I was so impacted by that experience that not the following Sunday, but the Sunday after that, I got a treadmill brought into the church and I did the whole service running on the treadmill. I opened the service, they did worship, I did not sing because that was going to be a little challenging, but I just ran on the treadmill for the whole hour and a bit, just there. And then I preached from the treadmill and I talked about, let us run our race with endurance. I did not get a treadmill here today, in case you can't tell. In so doing, in preaching on a treadmill, I actually pulled my vocal cords and they've never been the same since because as my doctor said, vocal cords weren't meant to preach from a treadmill, Jen. Like, what are you doing? And so I talked to the church about us running our race with perseverance. You know what happened? The following Sunday, I got up, looked out, and everybody came to church in running shoes and running clothes. (laughs) That's what we're doing in this series, in this season. We're talking about the us, the coming together, the running the race of faith with perseverance together. Why? Why are we rediscovering church? Because I'm not sure, has anybody been through COVID? There's been such separation of being together. Even at the beginning of the year, this year, just this year, when we tried to form life groups, there were very few people that were comfortable having people in their homes. Now, I'm still facing it, talking to people, they're not quite yet comfortable. We have faced this separation and now we're having to rediscover what it is to come together, to reopen our lives, to reconnect, to rediscover the people around us and the purpose of this gathering. Because, why are we rediscovering church? Because, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've noticed, the church doesn't have a great reputation in the media. We don't. We just don't. I get asked all the time when I tell people I'm a pastor, which I choose sometimes to say and sometimes to not, depending on how much time I have. But I get asked all the time, what do you think about the church? What do you think about the state of the church? What do you think about working in a church? Like how can you do that? Because the church does not have a great great reputation. Because we face disappointment. I'm sure if I sat down and talked to a great number of you, you wouldn't be able to tell me your story of faith without talking about disappointment at various points of the journey. We have disappointments in one another, in our leaders. Disappointments in how we thought things should happen disappointments. Because of questions and wrestling, we come to church and we we sit there with questions and and wondering and wrestling and can I ask these? Is it safe, is it okay to ask? But also why rediscover church? Because God loves the church. God loves the church. God loves the church. And there are things that hinder and sin that so easily entangles. And we're doing this series of rediscover so that we would come together and throw off those things and run the race for us in this season. We are all here. To rediscover church. Whether you've been here a long time, I've only been here relatively a short time, I've been in church a very long time, but here only a short time, or whether this is your first Sunday, I am inviting all of us to posture our hearts to rediscover the beauty of church. Main point this morning is that rediscovering church is about Appreciating both large group and small group gatherings, the need for both, and the attack on both. So the main point today is that Rediscovering Church is about appreciating both large group gatherings and small group gatherings of believers together. The need for both and the attack on both. The need for both. We need these times, But if this is our only church experience, our race is not going to be as strong as it could be. We need times, like Pastor Joel talked about last week, a table for a few. We need those times where we are gathered in smaller groups, one-on-one, life groups, smaller groups that are our training groups, They are helping us run our race. They're helping, we're helping each other run our race, encouraging one another, lacing up, getting stronger, going further, running our race together. Church is about bigger gatherings of believers. It is, it's about bigger groups of people coming together. We see that on the pages of the New Testament. We see it throughout church history. The church is about bigger groups of people coming together. It looks very different depending on the tradition, depending on the age, depending on the era, depending on the country, depending on the place. But church includes, through the ages, groups of people coming together. Part of that experience is baptism. And I wanted to talk about it a moment today because we have two people getting baptized at the end of the service. i am rather just... Poking on a definition and an understanding of baptism at the end, I wanted to put it here because it is part of our evidence of joining the group of believers, the church. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, what probably Jesus' last exchange with his disciples before he goes to heaven. So he's risen from the dead and now he's on his way up to heaven. And he has this conversation. He says to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said to them to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Them hearing that command wouldn't have been unfamiliar. Baptism was an understood thing. I talk talk about it with people and they're like, why would I go in the water and get wet? Why? But that audience would have understand, understood that it was a, process of identifying with the teaching, identifying with the life of the person who is calling for the baptism, identifying with the way of their life, because as we will determine in a few points, the way of Christianity is all about how we live. It's not about just gaining understanding and acquiring knowledge. So Jesus says to the disciples, go and make more disciples, go teach them the things that I've taught you and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And for thousands of years, believers have been coming to faith in Christ and being baptized as evidence of that. Baptized as identifying with the death and burial of Christ and the rising, raising to new life. It's a public declaration of our faith. It's the practice of identifying with the death and the resurrection. It's an outward demonstration in the presence of witnesses that says, I am joining with this ancient transition ancient tradition, I am a believer of Christ. I am a follower of the way. I am buried with Christ and I rise in new life and walk this journey of faith. Baptism is part of our journey. We have two people getting baptized today and if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to consider you don't have to today. You are welcome to today. We have some extra towels, but you do get wet. Um, and it is cold. I'll just let you know now. Um, but invite you to consider, if you've never been baptized, I had this, talk to this man about three years ago, and we'd just done some baptisms at the church I was pastoring previously, and uh, he came to me and he said, I'm, I'm this close. Is it getting annoying? No. Just watching Jonathan, he'll tell me if, it, if it's annoying. <laughs> Trust him to tell me it's annoying. Um, and he, he, I said, he said, I'm this close to being ready. And I said, how long have you been a Christian? And he's like, 22 years this month. So the thing that happens with baptism is the longer you're a Christian, the more aware you become of the meaning of Baptism. And the scarier it becomes. Because you realize the depth of your need for grace. So, the longer you go from coming to faith to the waters of baptism, I have experienced that it gets harder and harder and harder because I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. No, of course you're not. Nothing by my own merits gets me ready. It is the grace of Jesus. And so I encourage you and I invite you, if you have never experienced the waters of baptism, we will be doing some more in the coming weeks because there's a few that couldn't be baptized today, but I encourage you to consider baptism. And another fun point of community connection that I have over the years, getting to know people, I ask them what their story of faith is. How did you come to believe in Jesus? When were you baptized? What does the Holy Spirit mean to you? And I'll just ask random questions like that. As we're connecting together, sometimes we find it awkward to know what to say, how to draw out connection, how to draw out community. And an easy question is, how did you come to faith? Or how did you come to church today to get to know one another? Baptism. We also gather to worship. We had a great time of worship this morning. Thank you, Pastor Keaton and team. Um, I'm gonna use a passage of scripture from Ephesians. I didn't think we'd be going back to Ephesians anytime soon, because if you've been around here, you know we've been in Ephesians for, oh, the better part of nine months. Um, but there's, this, there's a couple verses that we missed. Uh, at least, I don't remember them, and if Pastor Joel preached on them, then my bad. Um, I really do pay attention. Uh, but Ephesians 5, 18 and 20, and I was cons- going to use them at one point, which is why I think they didn't get preached but I don't know. So Ephesians five, eighteen to twenty, it says this do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see throughout church history, stretching back to the people of Israel, psalms. We see music and song as a powerful part of the community experience. Psalms 120 to 134 are known as the Songs of Ascent or the Psalms of Ascent. And they were like the playlist of ancient Israel. If they were traveling to feasts or traveling to the festivals that God had prescribed through the year, they would sing these Psalms together. Some are call and response, like Psalm 124 starts with, if the Lord had not been on our side, let the people say, if the Lord had not been on our side, And then it's this psalm of God's provision of deliverance. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? And it was this communal learning, this communal songbook from way back when, through church history. Musical worship is ancient Musical worship is also one of the biggest points of division in church. Yeah, I hear those chuckles, yeah, you know. Our preference, our experience, they abound. The preference of hymns or choruses or style abounds. I almost had a church split because of changing worship. because we are deeply emotive people and are impacted by music. And it is hard to please everybody, very hard to please everybody. And in this time of trying to decide what to do, I was praying, I was like, God, do we do two services? Do we have, I don't even know, what do we do? And I felt like I was sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner one night between my mom and my grandma and I felt like God spoke to me deeply as we were passing the food around the table. We passed the meat and I'm a vegetarian so I didn't take any turkey. We passed the potatoes and my grandma wouldn't eat a potato to save her life because potatoes were pig food during the depression uh, for her area of farming. And so she never really got over liking potatoes. Manana didn't take any potatoes and my mom can't stand peas. So I ate herpes, my Nana's potatoes. They had my meat and gravy. And I felt like as we were passing the food around, God spoke deeply and profoundly to me, it's not wrong, it's just different. You like different things. It's not wrong, it's just different. And that became my mantra for musical worship. It's not wrong, it's just different. So I would go to the Gaither nights and sing my heart out in four-part Southern Gospel harmony because is it my cup of tea? No. But joining in with a group of believers, singing the truths, declaring the promises, is an incredibly powerful thing. Because musical worship is powerful. When with one voice we sing the name above all names, worthy of our praise. My heart will choose to sing, how great is our God. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. We sang another one this morning that I absolutely love, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Musical worship is powerful when with one voice we come and we declare words of prayer, words of surrender, words of freedom. It orients our focus. It turns our attention towards a God of breakthrough, a God of mercy, a God of grace, whatever it would be. Musical worship is powerful. As part of our gatherings for that very reason, we join with years and years of voices over the ages. I love it when we sing the doxology because there are some tunes that are older than others and we join with these voices and we sing Amazing Grace. We sing these songs and declare what has been declared. Over and over and over and over, I lift my eyes up to the mountains where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Part of our big group gatherings are our worship, some of our smaller gatherings as well. My encouragement to you in all of these things talked about today is to consider, are there any hindrances in me are there anything, that, is there anything that's weighing me down in the area of baptism, in the area of worship? Am I bothered, am I angsty, am I singing? Am I offering my presence with the community of believers when we gather on Sunday? Another great question for you know hanging out with your friends. I, I like to ask, what are your favorite church songs these days? My family, a few years ago, on a, on a family holiday, um, we would, we're a church family, so my brother-in-law and sister are both pastors and my other brother-in-law and sister are majorly involved in ministry at another church. And so we're pretty much a church family and when we go on holidays, it's split, 50-50. Most of us don't wanna go to church, but we do wanna spend time together in the presence of God. We just don't know what to do sometimes. And so a couple of years back, we decided to do a pick your favorite worship song and then we would play it. You'd say why it's your favorite right now and then we would pray for the person who picked the song. And it became this just sweet, simple, powerful time and we would create these playlists and I have this playlist on my phone. It used to be my iPod thing, but that's how old I am. Um, now it's the phone. And so I play these playlists and as Days of Elijah came on, I'd be like, Mom, okay, let's just pray for Mom. As Oceans comes on, Dad, I pray for Dad. As the various songs come on, I pray for my sisters, my nieces, my nephew. And these songs would come up and they would evoke a strong memory of, of course Mom picked Days of Elijah. If you don't know Days of Elijah, you haven't been around church for very long. Um, It is an older song, but it was very, very popular a while back, and maybe it wasn't popular here. But just those songs and and praying for people and asking them. So I hear songs in worship that for years, when I would baptize people, I would ask them, what is your favorite church song right now? What is your favorite worship song right now? And we would play them while doing the baptisms and it become associated with people in my memory. I hear in Christ alone, I hear various songs and it's people's journey, people's hearts before God. The apostles' teaching is another part of our big group gatherings. In Acts chapter 2, which Pastor Joel was referencing in the transition time today, at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, there's the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit encounters this group of people, and we're not going to get into all of that. But at the end of the chapter, it talks about the church coming together, and it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's just pause and go back up for a moment to Matthew twenty-eight twenty, where Jesus says, "Jesus says to them, teaching them to obey, go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything I commanded you." Fast forward just a little bit of time, a couple months, and this new group of people is gathering. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching because church is a place of coming together to understand the way of Jesus. It's not about, we can hear apostles' teaching and think, there's going to be an exam. The way of the apostles' teaching is a life changed It's understanding the way of Jesus. It's understanding the teachings of Jesus and what that looks like applied. It's less an acquisition of knowledge and more an acquisition of practice. At the end of one of Jesus' famous teaching times is called the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is a wise man who builds on rock. Our devotion to the apostles' teaching, our devotion to coming together and hearing the word preached and taught, our devotion needs to be, God, what does this mean through my life? Not just to my mind. Not just to my head. Oh, that was a really good illustration. I'm gonna try to remember that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna go for a run after church. No. What does this look like through my life? Church is also about smaller gatherings of people. And in those smaller gatherings of people, we can have worship and we can have teaching and we can have where the, the pedal hits the metal of our faith and the way of Jesus becomes understood. But church is about smaller gatherings of believers in that two are better than one. I love this passage in Ecclesiastes. that says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Church is about smaller groups of believers. It's about spiritual friendship. It's about connection over tables or in life groups. And this is the invitation in this season to consider whether or not a life group is a time for you. Is it time for you to be part of a a life group, a new life group? Life groups are small groups of believers that gather and some are doing Bible studies and some are doing book studies and some are gathering as young adults and some are gathering as women on Friday mornings. And there are different looking life groups, but there are opportunities to come together If I asked you, who are your two? Who's got your back? Who's gonna notice if you fall flat on your face? Who's working alongside you? Who are your people? Do you have people? And this isn't to say, oh, poor you, be lonely. This is to invite you to connect. Whether you have long-standing relationships or are facing new people again, we're kind of always in that posture of meeting new people. If we're doing this thing right and there's greater and greater people coming, we're gonna be always in the posture of seeing new people around and connecting and connecting and connecting and trying and learning and reaching out. Church is about relationships. It's about the process of being open to one another and connecting. It's about the process of growing in our relationship with each other and with God and running the race that he has marked out for us. Now, just before we move on to the final point, I want to recognize that people are a leading point of pain. There's just no getting around it because where there are imperfect people in process, we're gonna step on one another's toes at times. There's gonna be points of pain and friction. There is just going to be, and part of the safety of this place would be recognizing that. There are going to be times where you might get annoyed with me. I don't know why, I'm perfectly lovely. But there will be times where there are these offenses that happen And our commitment is to a safe place, which means that we are willing to show up at those points of pain and work through and talk through and pray through and work at it because two are better than one. Who knows if you have fallen down? And finally today, we're committed to small group gatherings In all the places and in every way. It doesn't have to look like Life Group. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't have time. I talked to some people this week and I'm like, no, I I refuse to let you burn out on my watch. Now is not the time for you to be hosting a Life Group. I appreciate your offer 100%, but now's not the time. Maybe it isn't Life Group. Maybe it's walking with a friend, maybe it's meeting for coffee, maybe it's meeting for lunch, maybe it's reconnecting in already established relationships and saying, you know what, today I was just really inspired to, to remember to go deep. I have to do it all the time with my sisters and friends. We go along for a while and then all of a sudden I'm like, I don't really know what's going on in her life. <laughs> what's God doing in your life? What's God saying to you? What was the last time? And then there's this reconnection point that takes place. Deuteronomy 6, four through nine, and this is the final scripture. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You Shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In all the places and in every way, we wanna be a people who connect here on Sundays and in life groups and in the October Thursday night teaching nights in serving, in our times of meeting, in our times of whatever it would be and then connecting on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. We wanna be people who talk about what God is doing If you haven't tuned in on the website to the testimonies, I encourage you, tune in, read the testimonies. Let them inspire you to hear what God has done. When we read what God has done, we have faith for what God can keep doing. And so I encourage you, increase spiritual connection, increase our caring for one another.